everybody, Matt here from the Service Industry Podcast, and today we have a pretty cool show. I'm excited about it. It's for all those people out there who may just be getting started in the business, and you're trying to figure out, how can I get customers today? I've got bills to pay. I've got rent due. I need a customer now. I don't have time to wait for a month. And so today's title is, we have five ways for you to get customers right now on a tight budget and even free for a couple of these. So I got my buddy Mitch here uh, with me. Mitch, how's it going? Going well, how you doing? Doing good, man. So we're gonna dive right in. We're not gonna mess around today. No storytelling. This is straight to the point. Uh, for those of you that have been in business for a while, if you're thinking, hey, I'm about to click off this because I'm not on a tight budget, I encourage you to stay on here because I think there's gonna be some pointers. We're gonna go in deep in five uh, different topics uh, of how we do certain marketing tactics in my service company here in Michigan and uh, really over the years how we've tweaked things to get to this point. And they're, they're little secrets that may not seem like a huge deal, but when you put them all together, they just work. So today, uh, the first thing we're gonna talk about, uh, it's, it's a uh, marketing method that's under $250 and it's postcards. This is what I literally built my entire company on uh, from the get. And I teamed up with a, a local printer guy, um, which all of you guys know, Mitch and I own Service Industry Marketer, so we do all of our own stuff now. Also, we do a lot of stuff for people all over the country. Uh, but we used to make these four by six postcards. And it's important if you're handing postcards out by hand that they're either a four by six or a five by seven. And I'll get into that later, uh, why that's important. But we used to do these four by six postcards. And postcards, you know, a lot of people use them and say, uh, hey, I'm not getting good results. Print marketing doesn't work. And my response to that is, show me what you're using and I'll tell you why it's not working. And it's because the content on the card is the most important part. Uh, and so I have a few things here that are important as far as content on the card. Um, when building a postcard, the first thing you want is an attention grabbing title. This is super important and it seems pretty basic, but you gotta have something attention grabbing so when people read it, it's the first thing they read and they know exactly what you do. So for instance, if you're a window cleaning company, uh, maybe your title is your local window cleaning specialist. Those people know exactly what services you do and now they have a nice glossy card and now they're gonna dig in and actually read the rest that's on the card. Uh, the next important thing is that I see a big mistake a lot of people make are they put too many services on the card. And so what you do is you start to look like a handyman. Uh, I always encourage people to do three to four services at the most. And that doesn't mean you can't offer other services, but to really even go deeper inside your company, you need to be a specialist. And you can only be a specialist if you really hunker down and only focus on a few things. And you can always upsell other things. So I'll give you an example. We offer uh, in my company, window cleaning, house washing, gutter cleaning, roof cleaning. Uh, and then we have upsells like screen cleaning, track cleaning, chandelier cleaning, uh, fan cleaning, um, you know, dryer vent cleaning, little stuff like that. But we don't advertise those things because if we did, we would turn into a, what we call a handyman instead of a specialist. And so that's a huge thing is to market four, three to four different things on your postcard um, to make you look like a specialist. Uh, another thing that really nobody does, and I think it's because they're scared that they're not gonna get their cards out, it is critical that you put an expiration date on your postcard. And it's critical that the expiration date isn't far out. So what we do is we put it no more than four weeks out from when that customer gets that card. So we hit the same neighborhoods every single month with an expiration date of four weeks out. Now, 
every month that customer gets a postcard from us and, and they kind of get used to that. But our specials are a little bit different depending on the time of year, if we're really busy, if we're in our slow season. But regardless, you have to have an expiration date to kind of you know create some urgency. Um, and that way your customers actually pick up the phone to call you. If there's no urgency there, they have no reason to call you right now. The goal is to get them to call you right now. When they get that card, you want them to pick the phone up and freaking call your phone. And so an expiration date really helps with that. And last thing is key points of what makes you better. This can be simple uh, for us. We're one of the larger um, cleaning companies in town. And so one of our key things is, you know, we service thousands of customers every single year in our area. And people read that number thousands and they're like, man, these guys obviously know what they're doing. They've been around for a while. It makes you more legit. Um, I don't want to say lie about your company, but you can definitely make it sound better than it is. Maybe you're brand new and you know, you got to have that perceived value. You want people to think you're bigger than you are. And so it's very important. You write a couple key points again, three or four, nothing crazy. You don't want a book for people to read. You want to keep it simple. We hand, when uh, we first got started, we handed 25 of these things out per month. Um, and you know, that was kind of our number in between trying to get jobs done and whatever. And it's not easy. I'm going to say that right now. It's freaking hard and it's exhausting. And you think like, oh, I can put those things out. Like it's not tiring, but it, it, it it's a mental game because after you're, you know, four hours in doing the same thing over and over and over, it's tough. Yeah. So how it's kind of how it's going to kind of work is Matt's going to kind of tell you about each topic and then I'm going to try to ask the deep questions to dive in so you guys know he just went over a bunch of stuff and you guys might be saying wow he talked really fast and that sounded like a lot of good things and I missed it well I'm going to try to ask him the questions to where you guys know okay I can actually go out tomorrow and you know try to implement exact implement exactly what Matt said so I had a couple questions for him kind of when you first started, like, how did you know where to start? Like, did you go to a printer? Did you design it yourself? Uh, so I teamed up with a designer um, who basically subbed all the printing out. Uh, and so I found him through the forums, um, the window cleaning forums. And we used him for a long time. Even when we started mailing cards, we used him for a long time. Uh, his business was brand new when we first got started. And as he grew, he he got really busy, but he didn't scale as far as employees and help. And so his customer service went way down. His turnaround times went way down. And when that started happening and I was referring people to him, um, that's when we kind of got the idea, like, like, first off, this isn't going to work for me because I don't have three, four weeks to get a postcard. I don't have two weeks to wait for it to get designed. Um, and so I went out and found somebody who was even better and, you know, 24 to 48 hour turnaround time on design four-day turnaround time on print and so it was perfect fit yeah that's critical for yeah. sure on the timing how did you know did you like have in mind um what design you were going to do or is that something that you know over four or five years you've learned is that yeah. something you can learn or know or did you just kind of go go with it and figure out what worked yeah we started off uh with these postcards i actually have a video on my youtube channel i show the card but we used to handwrite prices in so it would say like window cleaning and i would handwrite prices in and we would target neighborhoods that were with like cookie cutter houses so they're all the exact same and so i could handwrite 200 cards out you know window cleaning 150 bucks whatever it was and then i go put these on doors or in newspaper boxes which were attached to the mailbox 
that was a great strategy for the first year because people knew exactly what they were getting. Um, the prices weren't always perfect. I would still do walk arounds at people's houses, give them you know legit quotes. Uh, but that was how we started. We realized quickly we couldn't scale that way because I was handwriting. Not only was I passing them out, but I was handwriting all the prices. So it took twice as long. Uh, so we decided, hey, we're going to try to go and offer some specials. And what we realized was we didn't actually have to offer a discount. We just put our real services on there and put them in coupon form. And so that started working really good. Then we learned things like expiration dates and title wording and how to catch people's attention and how to get them to call us now. And so really over the last four years, uh, I feel like we probably perfected it a year and a half ago. And we just stick we just stick to that. So we've got about seven templates that we use, one for every month, and just works. Right. And I think that's beneficial for you know the listeners is that you can almost take that time out of it, out of the equation, you know, by getting valuable information like this from Matt. And that will save you so much time, money, you know, resources, everything just by learning that kind of stuff from you. Um, so now that you know what's most like important about design, how did you, you kind of hit it a little bit. How did you know what neighborhoods like, so if I'm sitting here, I have, so now I might have my postcard or I know, you know, what design might need to be on it. How, how did you like, is there a strategic way to pick where you put these postcards? Uh, for us, um, in the beginning, again, we knew we had to hit cookie cutter subs because we're handwriting all these prices. I wasn't going to walk up to the door, handwrite it, put it on the door. I was going to do them all at once and then go hand them out. So cookie cutter subs that were maybe middle class was like kind of where we started. Um, and But our criteria was they had to have newspaper boxes on the mailbox. Reason B is because I wasn't walking around putting them on doors for the most part. I was staying in my car and driving and putting them in the newspaper box, which here in Michigan, we have a lot of those and it's legal. So if you put them on like uh, the actual mailbox itself, the flag, whatever, that's illegal. But we didn't get in trouble when we put them in newspaper boxes and we could do a lot more that way. So that's kind of how we picked our subs. So it'd be curious if that is illegal everywhere or if that's a Michigan thing. You might want to check into that if you are going to be. Yeah, what I do know is not all states have those. Um, I've talked to guys who are like, man, like I don't have any newspaper boxes here. You know what I mean? So if that's the case, you got to do door to door. So you got to knock them in the doors. Yeah, is what it is. Yep. Okay, that was actually one of my other questions was if you did leave them in the mailboxes or if you did knock on doors. Yeah, we did both, but definitely more newspaper boxes than anything. Do you ever knock on the actual door? No. No. Because it wastes time. Right. And typically you're not going to sell somebody right then anyway, and nobody likes to get their door knocked. So. Yep, I was always taught to you also, if it's not something you would want, don't do it to somebody else. Yeah. So if you're going to be sitting at home 5 o'clock at night or whatever time you're doing it, if you don't want someone knocking on your door bothering you, yeah. then you probably shouldn't do it yourself. Yeah, and you know, some people say, well, you got to close the deal or it's sales or whatever it is, but like, this just not, it wasn't our strategy. So... It, it you know just didn't fit who we were. Okay, and you talked a little bit about the size. What what is like? How did did you learn that over time as well? Or what is if I was to start today, what would be the best size or quantity? Yeah, so four by six or five by sevens were great because they fit in the newspaper boxes perfect. They're not too big, and if you got to put them on a door, they fit like in the door handle great. Um, you know the big cards are great for mailing, uh, but. In my opinion, if you're handing them out by hand, it's a waste of money to go much bigger than a five by seven. Okay, so kind of just to wrap it up a little bit, if I was to start today in a process of a timeline, how, how would you kind of just begin? Yeah, so first off, you're gonna to wanna to find somebody who can help you. Um, you know, I, I don't mean to plug us, but obviously we can. And you know, 
the difference between us and a lot of other designers slash printers is again we've already done what you're trying to do um, you know we can create something from scratch if you want something totally custom I mean literally can do anything you want uh, but you should go do what other people are doing if it's working and so a lot of our clients literally use our templates um, you know Patrick for instance he just started a window cleaning business this year and we did, when was it? Uh, March, I think we did 10,000 every door direct mails for him. And he had 40 quotes that month, just off postcards alone. Like I know people that have been in business for three, four five years that don't do 40 quotes probably in, you know, three months. And so, you know, and he used our template and it's just cause it works. It's tried and true and it freaking works. And so there's a huge advantage to doing that. Um, and so, you know, serviceindustrymarketer.com, you can, you know, fill out the contact form in there and we'd love to help you out. So, uh, so second thing that we're going to dive into, um, and this is a little bit more expensive, but still right under 300 bucks is yard signs. Uh, and you know, for somebody just starting out, like my business, we do a uh, hundred yard signs a month. And so it's more than 300 bucks, but, um, you know, the size you want is 18 by 24. Reason B is it's the perfect size for people driving down the road. Um, and you know, the small ones, they're cheaper, but they're hard to read. And if they can't read it, they're not calling you. So 18 by 24, double-sided. Um, and what I would suggest for somebody starting out is probably a quantity of like 25. Uh, most people would think you would put these in customers' front yards. You actually don't. You put them on busy street corners because only so many people are going to see them in the front yard and the customer is going to throw it away probably after two or three days. Um, you're going to get way more exposure, even if it only stays up for a day or two on a, a main road. Um, before it gets snagged, you got to imagine how many more cars are actually going to drive by. Uh, so for right around 300 bucks, you can get 25 double-sided yard signs, 18 by 24. And depending on your service for us right now, we're doing a lot of house washing yard signs and we only need one or two jobs to pay for a hundred of them. Yeah. I mean, and so I suggest advertising, whatever your big ticket services are, that way you can pay for them and they just work. Here's the weird thing. I want to tell you a story is last year, uh, you know, we did yard signs again and for gutter cleaning season, we absolutely kill it. We'll do mm, a ton. I don't even know how many, it's a freaking ton. Anyway, we took that exact design and we put it on a billboard on us 23 last year, which I think it's like 700,000 cars go by a week. And I think we got five jobs off the billboard and off the yard signs last year, just for the month of November. That was the month of November, but for yard signs in November, we got somewhere like 40 or 50 jobs. And it's weird, it was the exact same design. So what is it that's converting billboard? You know, what's what's converting better, yard signs or billboard? Why is yard signs con converting better than a billboard? It just doesn't make sense, to me at least. And so that was, that was a fun experiment, but here's a couple tips uh, on how to make a good yard sign. First, it's gotta be simple, very, very simple. Uh, the service is the biggest font on the whole thing. It's gotta be monster. It's gotta take up most of the room. Right under that needs to be your phone number and that needs to be darn near just as big. Those are the really the only two things that matter on the whole sign are the service and the phone um, because people are flying by at 55, 65 miles an hour, whatever it is, you, they need to know what it is you're offering and how they can get a hold of you. At the bottom right side of our uh, yard signs, we put our logo, but it's pretty small. Um, I mean, flying by, someone couldn't read it. Maybe if they're at a stoplight, they could. Uh, but it's on there at least, so they know they're calling a legit company. And then our website's at the bottom as well, which is super tiny, but it's there for whatever. Water, so those are those are kind of the four 
you know, important things. And, and people try to overcomplicate yard signs. You just got to keep it simple, plain and simple, and, and just do those every single month over and over and over. And it's okay to put them on the same corner over and over again because um, you got to realize, you know, not the same people are driving by at the same times every day. So. Okay. Well, so I think the biggest thing with that, you know, if you're going to be starting out, would obviously be design, which sounds like it's pretty simple. Yep. Um, whatever service you want to offer and how are they going to be able to get a hold of you? Where do you choose to put those out similar to the postcards? How do you choose? Is, are you just picking the busiest intersection? Well, we're trying to target, we have a strategy. So wherever we send our direct mail, at the same time, we put yard signs all around those neighborhoods. At every corner, every street light, you know, within probably a, a couple mile radius, we try to be everywhere overnight. And so if you're doing other things, put them in the areas that you're doing those things. That way you can instantly overnight have a presence. So that's how we pick them. Right. Okay. And you said how big, how big of a sign is it? 18 by 24. 18 by 24. So just 18 by 24 says your service, has your phone number, a couple other small informations about how they can get a hold of you or your logo or who you are. And you just put them out strategically by where your postcards have been out yep. or where it makes sense. Yeah. And it's not hard. Um, you get dirty looks or every now and then, like recently we just got a violation from uh, the city that was sitting on my desk. And uh, I think I did a Instagram video about that. Maybe, um, you know, some townships don't allow it. You cannot let people dictate your actions. Just keep doing it. Yep. That was my other question is, is there spots that are illegal? For sure. Um, and illegal is probably a extreme term. Um, frowned upon. Definitely frowned upon. Uh, a lot of these townships want you to, to buy some kind of permit to put out yard signs. Um, if it's cheap, go for it. If that's an option, go for it. But he, around here, they just don't allow it at all. Um, I've just found that until those people start paying my bills, I just don't give a rip. Well, plus we were talking also, you know, whatever the reprimand is, whether it's a letter you get or a fine, with how much business that it generates you, unless they're gonna be, unless you, when you'll be able to tell when they get serious, I think, you know, if it's actually a big deal. But when they just keep sending you letters, you know, maybe once a year, yeah. and the house signs are returning you X amount. Yeah, just doesn't matter. Makes sense, yeah. I mean, we get charged 75 bucks if they decide to charge us. It's freaking 75 bucks. Now to a new guy, it sounds like a lot, but when you start to see the return you get, it just doesn't matter. Right. So, um, number three, this is a simple one. Nobody does this, calling your customer base. I mean, if you've been in business for a year, six months, three months, you need to be doing this, period. I don't care if you have 10 customers or 10,000. This is one of our biggest generators for revenue in the spring and in the fall. Um, Mitch, you were here in the spring uh, when Kenna, our office manager, is calling, and it's like sale, 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 and it's all Unreal. free. And so we spend money on marketing to capture these customers and then we don't do anything to follow up with them. And we service them one time and we let them go and we wait for them to call us. Well, the reality is, is they probably don't remember who you are. They probably don't remember your business name. A lot of times we'll call customers, you know, three months after we serviced them and they're like, who's the dirt hunter? And we have to explain to them, oh, we were out at your house three months ago, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then they remember. And so people just don't remember. They don't think about your business like you do. And so calling your customer customer base is super important. We call our customer base three times a year, and this is how we do it. We call them once in the spring, right before we kind of launch. And we depend on that revenue to really get us going in March, which it's still pretty cold here, so we don't get a lot of business uh, from new customers, and April. 
And so our April is basically already full before April's even here, and it's all current customers that we serviced the year before or years before. Um, and so we call them once in the spring, we call them once in the midsummer to late summer, which is our slow season, like around August and September. And we try to pad that slow season with current customers. And so we don't, you know, we still market the same, but we would have to market twice as heavy to stay busy. But now we don't have to because we have all those current customers getting service for a second time during the year. And then uh, the last time we call them is in the fall, and that's when our big gutter cleaning pushes. So, you know, some of you guys will have one service that's maybe, you know, a short period of the year that's really profitable. For us, that's gutter cleaning, and we push hard on that big time. November is the biggest month of the year for us. So um, calling your customer base is critical, in my opinion. If you're not doing it, you're losing free money, period. Obviously, I think the biggest question um, that people have is, and I think I want to go back before I even ask that is what are you doing for somebody that's new even and, you know, they're building their customer base? What do you use or what would you recommend to make sure that, you know, two years from now when you go to call your customer base, mm-hmm. you have all their information kept on file or what, whatever it is? Yeah, you got to have a CRM, um, something to manage your customer base. We use the customer factor. It's the best thing I found. Uh, we've used it for three years now and it's been great. Um, so you got to have something like that that can tell you, hey, here's your list, but not just your list. You click a customer's profile. Here's their number, their email, their name, pictures of their house, their estimates. When's the last time you serviced them? You have, you know, what's the name of their dog in the notes? Like everything. And so if you don't have one of those, you're going to lose, period. I'm going to destroy you every single time because you're going to look like a freaking rookie and we're going to look like professionals, right? And so if you don't have a CRM, if you're not willing to spend 30 bucks a month on a CRM, you're going to lose. It's critical. You have to be able to go back. Like you were saying, I was here, you know, when you guys were, when we were in the office when they were calling and it was literally like, how much did you guys book today? Uh, Like six grand. Yeah. Just off that. Just off, just off of Kenna sitting over there calling. And every day was like that. Yeah. Six grand, six grand, six grand every day. And it adds up. Adds up quick. Yeah. So I think one, if you're new, you have to figure out how you're going to keep track of the people you service because when you get a customer, you're not servicing them once. You're servicing them for a lifetime. That's what you plan to do. So I think keeping track of all your customers is very crucial. There's a a stat, I think. um, I may get this a little wrong, but I think the stat is if you maintain a customer correctly, you will service them five to seven times before they die, move out of the area, whatever. That's a lot. And if you don't, it could be once. So you're losing out on how much business? Right five times over the next five years of whatever your customer base. Because people don't realize your first time you service a customer, if they called off marketing, you're barely profiting. If you're taking into account, how much did this customer actually cost me, right? For us, customers typically cost us around 40 bucks. And so if we can service them two, three, four, five times, you know, after the first times when it's actually profitable. Right. That's a big deal. So main question, a lot of people probably either one might be smaller. How big is your customer base that you call on that you generate that many? Yeah, we have a little over 2,000. Okay, so I don't have a big customer base. What do you recommend? You, you just gotta start small, um, you know? And the one thing you do is you go through and you leave voicemails for every person that doesn't answer, and then you call them again the next day, over and over and over, until they answer and tell you to go away or sign up. And so if you have a customer base of 50, that's okay. You're still going to generate something out of it. 
do those 50 and implement the other strategies that are going to produce yep. you more customers in the long haul. Um, obviously, you did you hand dial? I do know there are some dialing systems out there. Yeah, we hand dial everything. Probably shouldn't at this point. Probably save a lot of time, but I haven't upgraded Kenna to a dialer. That'll probably be something we do next year. Next year, we'll probably have somewhere around 3,500 customers. So that would probably be a good, good investment. Do you leave voicemails or do you have, do you drop it, call back? Yeah, no, we leave voicemails for everyone. Um, and we do get a lot of people that call back and want to sign up. People like to be reminded, especially if you're not being salesy and pushy. People like to be reminded. Because they think you're thinking of them. I can't tell you how many times I've had customers saying like, man, like you guys, you do an awesome job, like your follow-up, uh, your reminders every spring, like I super appreciate it. Like I forget or I'm busy, like people are living their lives. You have to help them, you know what I mean? That's your job to remind them that they need your services. Okay, and then when you when you call those customers, what is the main point of that conversation? Are you offering them a special? Well, are you just touching base? You're just touching base and saying, hey, we serviced you last year, it's spring, and we want our pitches, hey, you know, we call all of our current customers first because we get so booked, we have to turn people away. And so we want to make sure you guys are taken care of before we, you know, bring on the new people. Um, and people like that. Yeah. So if you're sitting out there, you have 50 customers, you just heard exactly what you say on the phone. Yeah, exactly. You can pick up the phone and you can call your customer base and say, hey, we're booking up. Um, I want to touch base with you first because I want to make sure you're taken care of before we get overbooked and you get mi- like and you get missed. missed. Or something. Yeah, I don't want to turn people away, and that's a real problem we have right now. We're what is it May third, and we're four weeks out, and so after four weeks we find people think it's too long and they go somewhere else. So we probably need to hire more people, but um, that's a real problem we have, and so we do like to get those people on the schedule first. Um, so number four. This is one that Mitch and I both really believe in because it's helped him a lot too. It's AdWords. And for under 500 bucks a month, you can run AdWords. You can pay us 250 to do it, plus your ad budget that you pay Google, and you can get great results. Um, There's two types of marketing. There's marketing where you put your services, you put your name, you put your, your brand in front of people and they say, oh, I need that. And then there's marketing where people are looking for people like you because they're they're seeking out your services. AdWords is that marketing campaign where people are seeking out your services. Um, it's the marketing campaign that you can turn on and it works for you while you're sleeping. That's the power of it. Where postcards are not like that, they're not working unless you're working, um, you know, unless you're mailing them. And so we really like AdWords and we've been doing it hardcore for three years now. And I mean, it's by far our second biggest generator. Uh, you know, we have tips and Mitch, why don't you go into some of the tips? Mitch was working on a client's AdWords today and it's funny how you tweak just a few things and, and you can go deeper into this on, on how that kind of changed impressions and clicks and everything. Yeah, I, AdWords, is it's literally just like trial and error. Um, you test it and you are always running, you know, maybe four ads at a time or whatever it is and you're always comparing them against each other. So you have four running Um, you know, and you have to let them run for at least a week or two before you, it's all data. You have to collect the data and Google does a great job at providing you more data than you could even imagine. Um, but you're always testing the data that you receive against each ad. So, and and it's not even just the ad, you go all the way down to the keywords, the locations, the devices. Um, and every week you tweak it. So you'll go into your keywords, what keywords generated impressions or clicks, what ones didn't. 
remove the ones that didn't, add a new one, and test those for a week against each other. Same thing with the ad. You run four different ads. Which ad received the most clicks? If there was one that had 20 impressions or 100 impressions and no clicks, remove it and input a new ad and let them run against each other. So you're always having the ads competing against each other until you you know, find the winners. Yeah, that even to me, uh, that was confusing, right? And so that's why people are like, oh, I'm gonna figure it all out on my own. You are better off spending 250 bucks a month paying somebody like Mitch and I, right? To do it for you, plus your ad spend, and go out and focus on your business. Then sit here and take a 40 hour course and then you're still constantly managing them. I mean, Mitch watches these things like a hawk all day long. And he's constantly, you know, like he walked in today and he was like, dude, I just changed this and, and blah, blah, blah. And so-and-so got, you know, 60 impressions today. And yesterday it was just this little tweak. They only got 20 and, and it was, I can't believe like that little tweak would make such a big difference. If you're not watching your ads like that, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to generate business. And so, I mean, we're literally here full-time watching all of our clients' ads. So it's a big deal. And this podcast is not here to try to sell you on our services. We're, we wanna bring you some true value. But I learned early on that if I try to do everything on my own, um, I start to do a lot of things just mediocre. And so I've really learned to scale out. And that's why I hired employees so early was because I recognized I had to get off the truck so I could learn all this marketing stuff that I'm talking to you guys about right now and learn how to implement it and find people that could do things that I was bad at. And yeah, so. Yeah, and we'll go into AdWords. That's gonna be a completely different podcast, but you know, we plan on giving you guys as much free value about AdWords as you can because one, I know you guys won't do it. (laughs) I know 100% you guys won't do it because it's pretty much my full-time job. Yeah. And I know with how much it is, eventually you guys will get to the point where, you know, you either A, start to believe that AdWords doesn't work, which is I think what turns some people off is they just don't know what they're doing and they blame AdWords. Um, but yeah, we'll get into that different time and there's so much that we're gonna do it, but we do plan on providing you guys 100%. free value. And here's the deal, me as a business owner, I like to know how things work, even if I'm not doing them. And so I think it's powerful to learn things like, hey, I, wanna, I don't wanna know exactly how to create ads and everything, but I want to, um, you know, I want to know how it works. And so you guys can do it, but at least I have an idea. That way, when Mitch is talking to a, a client on the phone, if they have a, a brief understanding of how things work, then, you know, it's a lot easier on our side and on their side to understand. So last thing, and this is the, going to be the one thing that nobody wants to hear, and I don't care, <laughs> but it's cold calling. It's free and it's powerful. I'm going to tell you guys a story. Um, when I first started, I was pretty scared of cold calling. Not really because I was getting yelled at, but I just didn't know if it actually worked. I didn't know what to say. Uh, I was finding myself calling businesses and not knowing how to get a hold of the right people. And so I have a couple tips for you guys, but uh, long story short, one of our, we, we have a ton, most of our commercial clients, I would say 95% of our commercial clients are all from cold calling. Um, and basically that pitch is simple. We're just, we're getting to the gatekeeper, we're getting through the gatekeeper to the person that makes the choice. We're asking them if they use services that we uh, provide. And if they do, can we just at least come in, shake their hand and maybe give them a free quote. Um, and we're going to go into different episodes on cold calling because I have a lot of tricks that have worked. Um, but one of our biggest accounts is a, uh, I got to be careful because it's kind of confidential, but it's an army center and it's massive. And it's what led our account to the Detroit airport. Um, 
it's what led uh, us to quoting a earlier this spring uh, a fifty thousand like a forty nine thousand uh, dollar window and pressure cleaning job. Anyway, it's an account that we landed. We've been servicing for three years now, and they pay us somewhere around twenty thousand dollars a year. That was off a cold call. That was a free freaking lead, and so. I'll get beat up all day for one of those. Yeah, you know I mean, and so you got to find, you know, the type of clients that you want to target. For us, uh, an ideal commercial client is assisted living homes for window cleaning, because here in Michigan, legally, they have to get their windows cleaned twice a year, and so they're using someone. It might as well be us. And some of you might not have even known that. And yeah. it might be true in your state that they they legally have to do that. Probably do, because they got to keep things sanitary, and so. So, you know, they're hiring somebody, so it's a perfect candidate because I already know they're using someone or they need to find somebody. And a lot of times the companies they're using flake out or whatever. So if they can team up with a company like us that is not going anywhere, we remind them about their appointments, blah, blah, blah. We lock them in. We're good to go. And so that's an ideal uh, client for us. Uh, The thing about cold calling is the follow up is key. And so you're never, I shouldn't say never, most of the time you are not going to get an appointment the first phone call. Your job, the first phone call, is to find out the person's name that you need to talk to. And so even if you don't get through to them, ask the person who answers the phone, hey, who's the person, who's the, um, you know, the manager in charge of the facility, uh, you know, who would make the choice in the window cleaning there? Oh, it's Jackie. Okay, perfect. Is she in? Uh, No, she's not. Okay, I'll call back later. Well, now next time you call back, you know, hey, this is Matt from the Dirt Hunter. Is Jackie in? Now you sound like you actually know who she is and they start to believe you. And so when you, you do it like that, or, or if they answer the phone, you know, uh, hey, this is Jenny, how can I help you? Hey, Jenny, it's Matt from the Dirt Hunters, Jackie in? Like, that's powerful. Because Real now, powerful. because in a split second, she's going, crap, this guy knows me. Uh, yeah, Jackie's here, give me one second, puts you through. It's like an 80% probably put through for me. And I think that's not something that you only use for cold calling. That's a strategy you use for everybody. Sure. Remembering their name and calling people by their name will make more of an impact than you will ever realize. Yep. People care to hear their people care when you call them by their name, like even if it's subconscious, because they think that you care more. You care or you know them or or something. You remembered something about them. Uh, The other thing is people call 10 people and they they get 10 no's and they quit. You can't call 10 people, you got to call 100 people a day. You know what I mean? And so generate these lists and, and literally go through them and call them. And, you know, if you have any type of lead, put it in your CRM and put it as a follow-up for when you gotta call them next and make those follow-up calls. Um, and the last thing is just don't don't get discouraged because it's probably one of the hardest things you'll ever do, uh, but when you find success with it, it'll motivate you, and when you get told no or get told to F off, it, you just don't care. It will happen. It will. I promise <laughs> I you promise. it will happen. Yeah, it will freaking happen. Yep. Biggest thing is for sure don't get discouraged. You have to have rhino skin. And I think the way that you don't get discouraged is going in with an expectation already pre-established on what's about to happen and knowing that it's going to happen. So when it does, you're already prepared for it. You already know. Yeah, totally. Um, so, okay. So if I'm, are you, is that, was that all your bullet points? Yes. Yeah, yep. Okay. So if I'm sitting here and I got a phone in my hand and I'm ready to cold call, got the mindset, I got my rhino skin and I'm ready to go. What, what do you do? You find your, you think of your ideal client and if you don't know who that is, then you just start calling. Who? We always said we want to call customers that the job is going to be a thousand bucks or more. Um, so you're using Google? 
we're using Google. Uh, and, and so basically, you know, we would pull up assisted living homes. I would look at them on Google Earth and say, it's a pretty big building. It's definitely gonna be a thousand dollar job. Put them on the list, okay. right? And you can call smaller companies too, but we Google assisted living home Brighton, Michigan. Assisted living home Howell, Michigan. We de- develop a list and then we start to call them. Okay, so you get through to one of the assisted livings, whatever. Say you actually get through to who you're talking to or you're looking for, um, that is gonna be your contact. What is your pitch? Pretty simple. Um, hey, I'm not calling to sell you anything. Uh, first, I just want to know, first off, if you guys even use the services we offer. And if so, can I stop by and introduce myself? And while I'm there, I'll give you a free quote so you have it. Even if they have a company, a lot of times they'll say, uh, yeah, it, it can't hurt to get another quote. And so you give them a free quote. And then even if you don't get the job right then, it never freaking fails. Six months later, you get a call. Um, hey, Matt, so the company we're using, we're no longer using them, and we're going to see if maybe you guys wanted uh, you know, to pick up the contract. Done. So there you go. If you want to just rewind that about you know, a minute and write down what he said, when you sit down, you, know, you're, you already know what is going to happen, where if that person answers the phone, you know what you're going to say, and you know where the conversation will go, so you don't have that fear yeah, don't of s- the unknown. Don't sell them on the phone. Uh, your goal is not to get the the appointment scheduled your goal is to literally just get in front of the person and and shake their hand that's all and then it's your job from there when the deal isn't closed after you shake their hand to follow up with them so even if you give them a quote and they're like yeah it's a little bit more expensive or yeah it's about the same price we're probably gonna stay where we're at you need to be in contact with that person every other month just calling hey just uh giving you a call or stop in hey just stopping in just wanted to see how you're doing let me know if you need anything we're always here easy Done. Done. Fortune is in the follow-up. Yep. Have to do the follow-up because that's where not, I think even in real estate, on average, it was seven times you had to talk to somebody before they yeah. even knew who you were, remembered, or cared. And you'll get lucky sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes you'll get lucky and they'll be like, you know what? I was just thinking about that. Yeah, we do need that. And awesome. But most of the time you have to follow up. Have to follow up. So cool. So literally... After this, if you're just getting started, or even if you're in business and maybe you're struggling, you have zero excuses now for being slow. Uh, You know, I had a guy on YouTube, and I'm not going to say his name, but last night I got a message on YouTube. He said, hey, Matt, all your videos are awesome. They're helpful. And they sound really great on paper, but I don't have money for a nice uniform. I don't have $250 for postcards. So, like, they don't, like, they don't apply to me. And my response was simple. If you don't have 250 bucks for postcards and you're slow and you're not working, go get a job, make 250 bucks, buy postcards, go put them all out, take that money that you made from postcards, buy more postcards, go put them out over and over and over. People make excuses and it's really, it's frustrating because I was in that exact situation. In my first year, I paid myself $12,000 and I, I worked a winter job um, and my wife and I, I mean, we were broke, broke. And so for anyone to, you know, say, hey, it's just, you know, this advice isn't real or doesn't work for someone who doesn't have money. It's just not true. You're making excuses. And if you want it bad enough, you'll go do it. You'll figure out a way to make it work. I don't care if you have to work a third shift job and then, and then when you get out at 7 a.m., go put postcards out till three, sleep for four hours and go back to your third shift job. You'll, you'll do what it takes. 
if you want it. If you want it. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you have not subscribed to my YouTube channel, go to YouTube and check out Service Industry Coach. Please subscribe, watch videos. There's over 100 videos on there of free content. A lot of the stuff on there I do believe will help you. And again, if you need any type of print or digital marketing, visit our website, serviceindustrymarketer.com. You guys have a good day and we'll talk to you soon.